It's the end of the world as we know it, and I feel fine. That crazy starts with an earthquake, birds, snakes, and aeroplanes. Many fruits are not afraid. I have a machine, listen to yourself, the world, but it don't need something to your own head. Beat it up and I've seen got no sheets. The land of fucking with the fear fight down. I fire in a fire, Mr. Sixty Seven Gang, the government for hiring the combat site. But you wasn't coming in a hurry, the jury beat it down your neck. Welcome to the Doom and Bloom Hour with medical preparedness experts, Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. Your source for information on how to succeed if everything else fails. And now, your hosts, Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. dark heart of the city, a mysterious figure known as Dr. Bones. And mysterious he is, and the dark heart of the city is actually pretty sunny. (laughs) Yeah, in South Florida, I'd say so. (laughs) That's right. It is, well, I was about to say it's spring. It's not spring. It's actually March Still winter. Early March is winter here. Do you know we're supposed to have a cold front next week, and now it's going to be hot again? So much for a cold front. They peter out before they get here. I think it's 84 degrees today, and what is it, March 2nd? Oh, I'm so sad. I need some cool weather for my crops. My crops. Yes, yes. (laughs) You have a lot of things. you got peppers growing. You have corn. You've got... Um, let's see. Oak tomatoes, tons of tomatoes, all sorts of good stuff. Our citrus is blossoming. Blooming, yes. Blooming, blossoming. I should say blooming for Doom and Bloom. Which, by the way, this is the Doom and Bloom Survival Medicine Hour. (laughs) Welcome. And you are? I am indeed Joe Alton, MD, also known as Dr. Bones, and we are here at the Survival Medicine Hour. That's right. A lagoon of loquaciousness. Loquaciousness. In a ludicrous world. Now, wait. What does loquaciousness mean? It means gift of gab, I guess, is uh, the best way to put it. I have that. If you're loquacious, yes. If you guys listen to the end of the show, you'll oh, yeah. hear me loquaciousing. You'll, oh, good. <laughs> well. so I just made up my own word. <laughs> Gabbin. Gabbin away. All right. There you go. And so, therefore, you are... I am, yes, I'm Nurse Amy. I'm also known as Amy Alton. I'm an advanced registered nurse practitioner and a certified nurse midwife. And together we are, indeed, the queen and the codger, the spectacular spouses, the masters of disaster. And we're here to help you keep it together, even if everything else falls apart. Well, we've spent some time just in the last few days in... I guess other channels, other people's channels. A Canadian prepper interviewed us. Yeah, and we talked a lot about our new book, Alton's Antibiotics and Infectious Disease, and he had a lot of folks that tuned into that. If you want to see that video, that is on doomandbloom.net. Yes, you he just gave put us, it up. Yep, he gave us permission to do that. You embedded the video so you can watch it there. Right, 
It, it would be better to watch you there because you're so beautiful. <laughs> and I'm uh, just meant to be on the radio. I was behind the camera. I'm responsible for the production, direction, and editing. How's that? And you are very good at <laughs> all of that stuff. But I would like to see it in front of the camera more. Eh. We also had our good friend Todd Sepulveda of the PrepperWebsite.com. A really great website. He also... It is a really good source. Yes, that's right. Yeah. And the Canadian Preppers uh, YouTube channel. Wow. Just, oh, he makes amazing YouTube he videos really does. also. He wow. does. Well, Todd Sepulveda also wanted us to talk a little bit about medicines in general and mm -hmm. then also antibiotics on our new book. And we really appreciate uh, you guys uh, having us on. The opportunity. Yes. It's always an opportunity. Right. And to hopefully save a life somewhere. Absolutely. I'm I'm just have to mention that oh. folks literally minutes ago the Alton's Antibiotics and Infectious Disease book on Amazon was ranked 554. Wow. I have photographic proof. Okay. Yes. I was shocked. <laughs> that is pretty shocking. People are interested in the topic uh, obviously. There's like a 10 uh, million believe, books really, yeah. on Amazon. It amazes me. It really there used does. to be five, and there were six. Now I think it's ten million books. If you just look up the word "books" as your your topic, it'll uh -huh. show you results. It'll tell you exactly how many books are listed. At least ten million. Wow! So five hundred and fifty-four out of ten million. That's amazing. I don't know why. <laughs> I can't <laughs> explain it. I don't understand. Well, you know, people maybe they're waking up. I don't know. Maybe it's hard to but say. But we appreciate it. And it has um, only five-star reviews from the people who purchased it. So thank you, yeah. guys. I really, uh, I, I just, I'm tearing up. Aww. The well, support we are, that we, are we have from people is overwhelming and heartwarming. We are blessed. That's the only things I can put into words right now. Friends and neighbors. Yes. Have you been injured in an accident with a horrendous hen? Well, our attorney says, don't call me. Call Dr. Bones and her samey. Have a good talk with that rooster. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to this. All information given and opinions voiced on Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy's Survival Medicine Hour are for entertainment purposes only and do not represent medical advice for anything other than post-apocalyptic settings. No contract nor provider-patient relationship exists or is implied between the hosts and listeners, Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy strongly urge their audience to seek modern and standard medical care whenever and wherever it is available. Ah, but when modern medical care has no standards due to some major disaster, you're <laughs> going to have to figure out how to keep people healthy off the grid. And if that happens, are you going to have the knowledge, the training, the supplies to become the highest medical asset left to your family and keeping them healthy? Well... Mark my words, it is time to show the world that you got more gumption than a garage full of gigaws and get some training, get some education. And while you're at it, how about a quality medical kit to go along with all that? I can't think of a better place to get it than Nurse Amy's entire line of often imitated, never equaled medical supplies and kits at store.doomandbloom.net. They'll help you deal with all sorts of medical issues you'd face in a disaster, make your home, your workplace, school, church even safer and they are designed by an honest to gosh medical doctor and an advanced registered nurse practitioner i want you to compare our kits with everybody else's stuff everybody else's stuff check them all out 
compare our kits for contents, quality, and cost, and you're going to agree that our stuff is what you should have in your medical storage. If you want more proof, check out our testimonials page at store.doomandbloom.net and see what folks just like you have to say about our medical kits and service. And on top of all that, our kits are approved for your health or flexible savings account. Just look at our special HSA, FSA section in the store. Hey, you know, we learn as much from you as you do from us. So give us a call, Paul. And why not connect with the geezer and the goddess? Wait, it's so easy. Rhyme something. Give us a shout out. Give us a chance, Vance. Okay, give us a shout out. Give us a shout out. Uh, oh, boy. That's oh, a tough I'm sorry. One. <laughs> what rhymes with orange, right? Yeah. <laughs> Orange. It's true, it's true. <laughs> All right, well, here's Nurse Amy to tell you how to contact us. Absolutely. Email us anytime at drbonespodcast at aol.com. You can find us on Facebook at our group, Survival Medicine, DR Bones, and Nurse Amy. All in one-stop shopping is Doom and Bloom Facebook page. We put all of the links of everything we do there. So if you're a Facebook groupie, that is where you want to go. You know, some people love to only go on YouTube. Some people love to only go on websites. And some people love to only go on, you know, Twitter or Instagram or whatever. That is a place that you want to go on Facebook is Doom and Bloom. Our Twitter, which I just mentioned, is at Prepper Show. And don't forget our YouTube channel, DR Bones Nurse Amy. We do have an Instagram, but I'm not active. You better get active with that. You've I got know. All these beautiful. Yeah, I and think you're it's such Doom a good and Bloom Medical. I think our Instagram is Doom and Bloom Medical. We better. We get do our, have people who are active. following. Oh my god! You know, I'm going to start taking pictures of our plants that are growing. Yes, you should. And you just found new seeds. Yes. Do you realize I have lemon cucumbers mm-hmm. and these amazing tomatoes? And an eggplant. Right, I see them. I'm not acquainted with some. And of also these, a banana pepper that's got like a little heat to it. That's a yellow, and it oh, we love it's those. a little crinkly. Oh yeah. So I have four things that I want to plant. All right, awesome. So we need to get some more soil, dude. Yes, we have. I have to get a lot of soil. Well, we have the pots. <laughs> we have lots of pots. So we could do a lot of container we do. gardening. Oh, and I just bought six cashew trees. Oh God. <laughs> You know why? Because their perfect zone is 10, 11. Okay, that's actually pretty good. That's awesome. They, and they grow in sandy um, soil, like soil, dry. They don't care if it's drought. They don't need any fertilizer. You just plant them and let them go. Wow, well, okay. Cashews it is. I'm telling okay, you. I'm looking forward to gonna that. We're going to have a, a, a yard full of cashews. Right, wow. you got to be careful. We'll talk about cashews in another time. The cashews have a caustic oil you have to get off. Ooh, interesting. Yes. How yes, about that? they're very interesting. We should talk about growing cashews, although it's only really for us. We have South Florida listeners only. I don't know. I know, and we I'm have sorry. all we have all these all these tropical. You grow them indoors, maybe, because they don't mind not being watered. No, I doubt greatly they would do well indoors. I'm it's talking true. about up north. Not oh, for up us. north. Oh, oh, oh. Those, you know, possibly it's cold. Yeah, but everybody's growing pot. In, indoors, they don't have room for that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I thought you meant in pots. Oh. No, I didn't catch what you said for a second. <laughs> no, not our well, listeners. Well, although I mean, it could it's be illegal med- in a million places, could be a medicinal now. herb, yes. depending medicinal on your herb? attitude. Well, there you go. I don't use it as a medicinal <laughs> herb, but some people do, and that's fine. Hey, 
you know, to each his own. Well, we do have so much tropical stuff. We have lychee trees. We have oh, uh, avocados. We have a bloom on one of my new lychee trees. Right, there you go. And you we have, have sapato. Um, uh, yeah, sapote. And we have avocado. Right. We have mango. Um, we have all, all the tropical stuff. What were those stuff. two apples that I have? Cinnamon. Mm-hmm. No, I have those two little apple trees by the pond. Yeah, golden dorset. No, 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 no. The other little apple trees that are this big. It's a, it's a tropical apple oh, tree. Oh, I forget what the name. That has some weird name. Yeah, it does have a weird name. All right. Those well, are, quote, some, something, an apple. It's a version of an apple, but it's a tropical tree. Um, yeah, cinnamon, clove. I yep. was reading about how to harvest cinnamon. It's really sad, though, because you, like, cut down the trunk, and then all these shoots come up. And then you're supposed to cut the shoots after a few years. But I don't want to cut the main trunk because it's a beautiful tree. It is really a nice tree. And how tall do you think that is? At least 15 feet high. 15 feet high. Oh, and my yang yang. (laughs) My yang Yes. My yang yang, which is the flower that actually is for Chanel number five. Is right, to make Chanel number five That thing is huge. Yes. Can you believe how fast that grew? Yep. And the funny thing is, those flowers are green. They look exactly like the leaves, but they're the most fragrant flower in the entire world. And unfortunately, where I planted it, where the wind blows, it blows to the neighbor that I can't stand who's reported us for having raised beds, who's the head of the HOA. So he's getting the fragrance for my Chanel Number 5 flowers. If he touches that tree, uh, it's game over. Well, he can. He's on our... (laughs) It's on our side. I of the know, property. but a couple of branches hang over his fence. If he well, touches that tree, well, he can cut it. Those. I'll I mean, go that's, bananas. That's Bubba bananas. bananas. Speaking of bananas, we actually have bananas too. We do. All right. Well, that's They're enough. Green. That's enough of that. We're talking to it's all these fun. folks in Minnesota and Montana, and and I can tell you that in in I Wyoming, can't grow grapes. In Gardner, listen, in Gardner or lavender. In Gardner, Wyoming. Remember where we stayed at the entrance of the uh, Yellowstone National Park? Yes. When I woke up this morning, it was minus three degrees. Oh. So we really appreciate it. I don't know. That sounds kind of fun. Yeah, yeah, it's fun until you're there. Well, until you have to drive to work. Well, that's minus three degrees. I don't know how much fun that is. (laughs) Well, Well, here's one last plug. Last one, I promise. This is our new book. And that is Alton's Antibiotics and Infectious Disease. Infectious Disease. Well, I can't even say it. The Layman's Guide to Available Antibacterials in Austere Settings. It's our detailed look into the fish and bird antibiotics we've been writing about all these years, plus all the infections that they're helpful to cure or prevent. It's about 300 pages, not as big as our main book, but it concentrates on one topic: on antibiotics that are available to the average person without a license, without a medical license. And the and a prescription, and the diseases that those antibiotics would cure. I mean, it's all the stuff we've been writing about for years. And in wise hands, I'm convinced this information will save people that otherwise might not survive in times of trouble. I can tell you, you have not read a book like this, written by any other medical professional. This is not stuff that you'll learn at your cert class, or even in from books like Where There Is No Doctor. You, you'll learn all about all sorts of pathogens, uh, disease-causing organisms, infectious diseases, those that are common now and those that will be common if something really bad happens. Uh, we talk about antibiotics, 
how they work, how to use them wisely, or the individual antibiotics that we think are, are safe to use, especially those that are in a veterinary form, and the diseases that each one treats, including the dosing, the side effects, the allergies, and uh, pregnancy and pediatric considerations. Also, we talk about how to establish a sick room for epidemics, and we really do give you a lot of information how to deal with wound infections, wound care, things like that. I mean, if you really want to be prepared for disasters medically, you're going to want Alton's Antibiotics and Infectious Disease, the Layman's Guide to Available Antibacterials and Austere Settings in your library. Remember, our books are meant for situations where there is not a functioning modern medical system. If there is, for goodness sake, get to a certified medical professional ASAP. What's the matter with you? <laughs> well, speaking of infection, one of the antibiotics that we write about in our book um, that might behoove you to have on hand in a long-term disaster is cephalexin. A cephalexin, you may not recognize that name, but I'll bet you recognize the name and That's what it's known as in the U.S., brand name. Uh, cephalexin comes in 250 milligram and 500 milligram doses, and so does the fish antibiotic called Fishflex. Uh, uh, the 250 milligram version is called Fish, Fish Flex, and the 500 milligram version is called Fish Flex Forte. A forte just means stronger, I guess. It's an antibiotic in the family call, uh, called cephalosporins. And they're uh, one of various antibiotics that are classified as what we call beta lactams, beta, B E T A dash lactams, L A C T A M S. And it has some similarity, penicillin family drugs. They're also beta-lactams. Uh, and they call it that because they have a chemical structure. If you looked at them atomically, they have a chemical structure that contains something called a beta-lactam ring. And so these are excellent antibiotics for killing gram-positive and some gram-negative bacteria. Well, we've talked about gram-positive and gram-negative before. We talk about it in the book. Uh, probably talk about it in, in the future how to actually make uh, slides that can identify one versus the other and they work similar to penicillins by disrupting the growth of the cell wall of the bacteria a bacteria is a simple critter but it does have a cell wall and, and if it doesn't make a good cell wall if it makes a defective cell wall well it ruptures and it kills the bacteria and Penicillins do that, and also cephalexin does as well. As a matter of fact, uh, it's probably one of the earliest cephalosporins, considered a first-generation drug, and a number of drugs in the family have been introduced since then, all sorts of different generations of this stuff, but still, Keflex is one of the few that are available to the general public in veterinary form. That's why we write about it, because you can actually obtain a good quantity of it for your medical storage. Cephalosporins, like cephalexin, they are not penicillins, exactly. You know, they're in the same general group with the beta-lactams. They aren't the same thing, but they are, well, I'll say, cross-reactive with penicillin. That means that if you're allergic to penicillins, you have a higher chance of being allergic to Keflex or other cephalosporins. It's thought there's about a 10% cross-reactivity, means about 10% or more of penicillin-allergic patients will also exhibit an allergy to Keflex or cephalosporins. So let's talk about what it's actually useful to treat. It's good for kidney infections. 
and bladder infections or prostate infections if you're a man. You would take it the 250 milligram version orally about every six hours, or you can always take the 500 milligram version, the Forte version, every 12 hours and do that for about seven days. Ear infections like otitis media, take it actually pretty much about the same. Sometimes for the stubborn infections, you have to take it for more days, maybe seven to 14 days. Certain throat infections, sore throats that are bacterial in nature, 250 milligrams orally, again, 7 to 14 days, or 500 milligrams every 12 hours, also 7 to 14 days. It's a great thing about this is that you don't have to change the dosage for every single infection. There are some that may be different, but for the most part, it's similar. If you had a wound infection, a soft tissue infection called cellulitis, well, I would probably, in that case, go to the stronger dose, and I would actually take that four times a day instead of just twice a day. So 500 milligrams four, four times a day and do that for seven, maybe 14 days. That would probably be pretty useful. If it's just a skin infection, though, and the skin is not broken, it's not a wound, then going back to the regular 250 milligram dosage every six hours, that would be fine. There are also some serious infections that it might be able to help with, osteomyelitis, infections of bone and marrow. If that can occur with maybe, let's say, a compound fracture, then you would take that in the strongest possible way. Uh, strongest dose, take it every six hours, I would say, for, gosh, you might have to take it for a month to six weeks to really see an effect. And these kinds of infections are honestly treated with strong intravenous drugs, drugs that the survival medic is not gonna be able to get a hold of, but this is what you might use if you were confronted with someone with a bone infection in a survival setting. It also deals with a number of upper respiratory infections that are caused by bacteria, not the common cold, which is an, a virus. Remember that antibiotics don't treat viruses. That's the usual 250 milligrams every six hours or 500 milligrams every 12 hours for a week to two weeks. And interestingly enough, you can also use it for mastitis. And if you have a breastfeeding mother, it's oftentimes they wind up getting cracks in the skin. The cracks in the skin can get infected and you can develop something called mastitis. Breast is swollen, painful, red, hot. Well, you can use Keflex for that, 500 milligrams every six hours for about 10 to 14 days for that. Cephalexin or Fishflex is also used as a preventative before some dental and surgical procedures can be used for some dental infections, although they, most dentists like penicillin family drugs. The people that might benefit most from this would be diabetics or people with weak immune systems or who are at risk for heart or other blood-borne infections. So usually in this case, there's only one or two doses that you are given. They give it a few hours before the procedure. Now, cephalexin is used in infants and children to treat the same infections seen in adults. Pediatric doses are calculated by weight. So what you would do is you would use 12.5 to 25 milligrams per kilogram of body weight orally every 6 to 12 hours for 7 to 14 days, but never exceed the adult doses. So therefore, let's say you've got a child that weighs 10 kilograms, a 26-pound child or something mm -hmm. like that. Uh, each kilogram is equals 2.2 pounds. Mm -hmm. And so if that's the case, then you would give that child 125, perhaps, milligrams to 250 milligrams based upon their body weight. So you just have to measure it 
based upon what the child weighs or what, what you believe the child weighs. Keflex or Fishflex can be taken with or without meals, but those with sensitive stomachs should take it with a full glass of water during a meal. Uh, Cephalexin is considered to be pretty good to use during pregnancy, not really a major issue. It's a category B drug, which means that there is no fetal defects that have been shown to be caused in animal studies. They never guarantee uh, that any medication is actually safe, but it is what uh, is called a category B, pretty much okay to use during pregnancy and breastfeeding at the normal doses. As a matter of fact, as I said, it's treatment for a breast infection seen in breastfeeding mothers or mastitis, so you know that it's pretty much okay. You know, we're glad to be part of the expert council of the Survival Podcast. That is our good friend Jack Spierko's expert council. Long right. time, yes. And, and I don't usually answer questions. No, she usually does. <laughs> it usually makes me answer it. But there are some questions <laughs> that people do pose directly to Nurse they Amy. They specifically say Nurse you. Amy has yes. to answer this, and I'm yes. like, no. <laughs> and one of them involves. Infant first aid kits, and well, I think children, you have a lot of pediatric right. children, yeah. And I think that it's really useful a lot of the information that you can give people with regards tips to tips and tricks, right? So, here's Nurse Amy with pediatric first aid kits. Hi, everyone, Nurse Amy here, also known as Amy Alton. I'm part of doomandbloom.net team along with my husband, Dr. Joe Alton, or as Jack calls him, Doc Bones. I'm the co-author of the Survival Medicine Handbook and also Alton's Antibiotics and Infectious Disease. You can see them on Amazon or also our medical kit store at store.doomandbloom.net. Well, today's question for the expert council is from Chris and he writes, Question for Nurse Amy on first aid kits. I was wondering what you would recommend having as part of an infant first aid kit. I have a five-month-old and almost two-year-old and was wondering what I should have specifically for my kids that wouldn't already be part of my standard first aid kit. Thanks, Chris. Great question. As you've already figured out, a lot of household medical supplies and kits can be used for, quote, smaller people too. Things like band-aids, gauze squares, tapes, antibiotic ointments and creams, calamine lotion, Benadryl cream, of course, aloe gel for burns, antiseptic wipes, coal packs, you have cotton balls and swabs usually hanging around the house, ace bandage elastic wraps, things like self-stick adherent wraps, they're also called Coban. You may have heard of something called SAM splints, which is a pliable splint for fractures or to stabilize sprains and strains. There's something called a SWAT tourniquet, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Hemostatic blood-stopping gauze is always a great thing to have around if you have any hemorrhaging or severe bleeding. Pressure and com compression bandages, a hot water bottle, soap, sterile eye wash, and eye pads to cover up the eye. Thermometers and triangular bandages. We're going to talk about more things, but that's just a quick list of what most people probably have in their house or have acquired over time. The trick to some of these items is to adjust the sizes if the little person is much smaller than the adult. You can always cut gauze squares, fold over ace wraps, use shorter tape segments, and of course trim bandages if needed. 
these sand splints we were talking about can actually be folded as needed over each other and also they can be cut but just remember if you do cut them pad the edges with some gauze or cotton pads now sometimes children lose teeth sometimes those teeth are supposed to be lost but sometimes they're not if they lose a tooth that should not be out of their mouth don't wash it off it is probably the instinct to go ahead and wash off the tooth but don't do that they don't want you to do that they want you to put it in milk there's two places you're going to go. One is the dentist if it's, of course, office hours. If it's not, I would get my child to the ER with that tooth. So we're talking about nights and weekends. Go ahead and go to the ER. Now, as far as the creams and ointments go, I would always look for the lowest dose. Of course, if they have a children's dose, that's what you're going to go for. But don't go for the ones that say strongest dose available. That's not what you want to put on the children. When choosing a thermometer... Sometimes sick babies and children, I know this from my own kids, they're kind of fearful. Like, they don't want you to come at them with equipment. They already feel bad. They don't, they don't feel good. They're, they're just not themselves. And you start introducing strange equipment towards them or poking them with things, and they're just not going to be real happy. So you could consider something called a digital infrared temporal, which means forehead, thermometer. And it usually also has an ear attachment, so you can use it as a, an ear thermometer, too. But what it does is it scans the forehead without touching the person, so you can take their temperature even while they're sleeping, which I think is so amazing, because certainly if your baby finally gets to sleep after having, you know, maybe an ear infection, they've been in so much pain and crying for so long, you don't want to wake them up by sticking something in their ear. So those are actually pretty handy please read the reviews. I have looked at them. I don't have a baby right this moment, and these things didn't exist when my children were really little. There are some good reviews and bad reviews. Remember, we have a lot of places in this world that make things that may not be necessarily the highest quality. So read the reviews. What you don't want to do is get stuck with a thermometer that is giving you inaccurate information. Because you might be making a decision, a life and death decision, whether to take this child to the hospital or keep them home. Side note, do you guys remember the mercury thermometers? Well, my mom put that in unspeakable places. How scary is that? We don't do that to our kids anymore. Lucky them. So here's a few guidelines on fevers for children. Um, try to always use a digital thermometer to check your child's temperature. Never use the one I just discussed, the mercury thermometer. For infants and toddlers, um, be sure to use, if you're going to, a rectal thermometer correctly. A rectal thermometer could accidentally poke a hole in the rectum. It could cause a severe problem. Um, it might also pass germs on from the stool. So always follow the product maker's directions for proper use. If you don't feel comfortable taking a rectal thermometer, please use another method. And I would talk to the pediatrician and find out what method they prefer for the age of the child. So if you're bringing in a two-week-old, say, hey, by the way, if, my, if I think my child has a fever, what do you recommend? Because I think over time, as things are invented, of course, now there are all kinds of different thermometers. There's even one that's a pacifier. 
And I thought that was really interesting because if you have an infant that's used to having a pacifier in its mouth, of course, you stick the pacifier thermometer in there, the child's not going to notice and it's not going to bother them at all. So talk to the pediatrician, find out what they recommend. Um, Generally speaking, rectal and forehead temperatures of 100.4 or higher, of course, or as your doctor recommends, and armpit temperatures of 99 or higher are usually considered a fever. Now, I do think, and I did find this when even my children were little, that the pediatrician most likely has a brochure or instruction sheet about when you should alert them to fevers or other symptoms. And put all this paperwork in a file so it's really handy when your child gets sick. So you can pull that out and say, okay, now this is when they told me to call. Let's talk a little bit about medicines. Medicines should always be in their original safety containers and of appropriate strengths for the age or weight of the child. Never, ever take medicines out of the original containers. There is a reason there in there, those containers. Those are approved and they're likely to be child-proof, which is super important. But in addition to being child-proof, you as a parent should keep medicines out of the reach of children, up high, and in a child-proof storage area, which may mean putting a lock on that cabinet. Keep it away from children. You don't want them ingesting stuff. Consider ways to administer medicine to your child easily and without hysterics. I cannot tell you how many times my kids screamed and screamed and screamed because I was trying to give you the, give them some liquid Tylenol. Seriously, folks, liquid Tylenol. We're not talking about some horrible poison here. They just didn't know what it was. It tasted bad, and they weren't having anything to do with it. So consider different ways to give your kids medicine. There's actually some lollipops, popsicles now. There's special shaped tubes. Of course, what I always found was a sweet juice can help cover most of the medicine, although some of it's kind of nasty. If you get like that amoxicillin liquid, uh, there's just about nothing that covers that up. But again, talk to your pediatrician about what the latest thing is. I do know there's a liquid at pharmacies that can be mixed with your child's medicine that supposedly, I haven't tasted it myself, really helps mask that bitter, nasty aftertaste. So again, something new, you never know. Your pediatrician and your pharmacy might actually be able to do that for you. So speaking of medicine, if your child has an accidental poison, the current recommendation is not to make them vomit. I know this is what we were all raised with. You got to make the kid vomit. They have to vomit. You have to get that out. They don't recommend that anymore because actually during the vomiting process, you could burn the esophagus and the mouth again. So they're getting a second injury. So don't do that. This is what poison control recommends. Wash off the the child's face, the lips, and wipe the inside of the mouth to remove any remaining liquid. Give them sips of milk and water, of course, if they're conscious. Call poison control with all the information if the child is conscious. The number is 1-800-222-1222. I'm going to say that again. 1-800-222-1222. 
But always, 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 always call 911 right away if any individual collapses, including children or babies, collapses, has a seizure, has any trouble breathing, or cannot be awakened. If the breathing stops, start CPR immediately. Now, if you're told by poison control to go to the ER or you just decide, I'm going to the ER because that's what you want to do, try to bring the container from which the child drank. It will provide amazing details with exactly what chemicals were in there to the medical staff so that they can provide appropriate medical care, which is the important thing. If you say, I don't know, they drank something and I have no idea, they're not going to know what to do. So Get a hold of that container if you can. If you are taking the child somewhere, see if someone else can investigate the house and get a hold of the container and then follow you to the emergency room and bring that container in. Usually it's spilled. Um, There's some evidence that a child has been in it, um, and you definitely want to do that. It's a scary situation, but if you can, please, always maintain a calm demeanor Even in the worst, bleeding, broken bones sticking out, blood gushing out of a head injury, try to stay calm. The worst thing you can do is make the child hysterical. You could actually induce shock if you make somebody too freaked out. So you need to stay as calm as possible. Um, An excellent source of prevention measures for accidents, including accidental poisoning, is at poison.org. So you might want to check that out. Got some great information there. And again, that phone number was 1-800-222-1222. Now, let's talk about band-aids for a second. I always, I had two little girls, so of course I had cute little flowery, pretty band-aids. And when I used band-aids on them, they just didn't mind it as much because they were cute. So my suggestion is to get decorated band-aids. But Find non-latex when possible. I think that's really important, and we'll talk about that. Um, I wouldn't personally consider my kids or myself allergic to latex, but seriously, after a few minutes, all of us have this long, and I would say long-lasting, like a week or two, red outline of where the Band-Aid adhesive tape shape is. So, even if it's on for a few minutes, we end up having these red spots for a long, long time. So better to be safe than sorry. Get hypoallergenic. And you might be using those on your child's friend that you haven't inventoried with all of their allergies and sensitivities yet. And nothing says, my kid will never visit your house again, like a week-long rash from a simple Band-Aid. Well, maybe not that extreme, but you know, today everybody's sensitive, so want to be careful rather than being sorry. Along with the same line of hypoallergenic and non-latex supplies for kids, I would include getting non-allergic and non-adhesive, excuse me, non-latex adhesive for anything that's sticky, including tapes, elastic wraps. So anything you buy like that, just get the non-latex. Remember, prevention is much easier than having to deal with a rash or worse, hives and possibly severe bleeding problems. Uh, let's talk about antiseptic wipes. They are probably better when they're 
just BZK. I know there's alcohol and betadine wipes, but they, first of all, the betadine colors it and it's not really good for healing wounds. Alcohol, of course, burns like heck, but if you use the BZK, it usually doesn't cause any pain or stinging in that open wound. And it does the same job. It's actually a really good antiseptic. So if you've got tears in an open area from a boo-boo, you certainly don't want to make the issue worse. Speaking of worse, my mom used to use Mercurochrome, which was this orange-colored, smelly, smelly liquid. If you've ever smelled it, you know what I'm talking about. Created by someone who must have hated children. Haha. <laughs> it burned like a fire was seriously applied to your skinned knee or open cut, which I had a ton of because I grew up in Georgia. Oh, fun being a kid before they pulled that off the market. But here's a little wiki short story on Mercurochrome. On October 19th, 1998, signing potential for mercury poisoning, the FDA reclassified Mercurochrome from generally recognized as safe to untested, effectively halting its distribution within the United States. Sales were subsequently halted in Brazil in 2001, Germany in 2003, and France in 2006, but it is still readily available in other countries. So if you visit other countries, feel free to buy yourself some Mercurochrome. Just don't bring it home. Well, if you have the extra funds and you really want to customize some of your supplies, go ahead and buy the appropriate sizes. So you can buy one inch wide tapes, one and two inch wide ace bandages. I would get the Velcro securing strips. I find that the metal clips always fall off kids. In fact, they pretty much always fall off of me too, but you know, that just happens. So the Velcro holds better. So look for that uh, in the securing of the ace bandages. Also, when wrapping the ace, check the color of the fingers and the toes after applying to make sure that the blood is flowing nicely underneath the wrapped area. What you don't want to do is cause a tourniquet-like effect, so go easy on tightening that tourniquet. Okay, You're not trying to crush that skin. You just want to put a little pressure on it. Uh, you could get 2 by 2 sterile gauzes because they're small and they'll fit a little bit, little bit better on children. You can get little band-aids like the small circles, the squares, the knuckle size bandages just again because they'll fit better on the children. If you're going to get tweezers I wouldn't get the ones that are pointed on the end because you could poke the child and they're just not going to let you come near them again with those items. <laughs> you're going to not be able to put tweezers near them if you stick them when they already have a splinter. So get something that's blunted on the end um, so you're again not adding more injury to their, their pain already. They also can be used, if they're blunted, to get easy-to-reach objects out of a nose or just inside an ear. I don't mean deep. I mean, like, it's just inside there. A good flashlight would be really handy here. Now, you're going to tell hear me in a couple seconds say that Good medical advice is not to explore and try to take things out, to go to the emergency room. So the only reason I would ever have tried that is if I could see it at the edge, not inside, because you don't want to poke it deeper. And kids are always putting stuff up their noses and their ears. So 
Let's talk about some symptoms of blockage in the nose or ear. And anybody, really, but it's the kids that you're really going to be looking at here. Your child might have an object stuck in the ear if he or she has any of the following. Pain in the ear. If the child can't talk, but they're pulling, you know, the one-and-a-half-year-olds pulling on the ear and kind of grunting, they might have something in there. Fluid draining from the ear. Hearing loss. Irritation. The kid may uh, pick at or, again, play or tug on the ear. Your child might have something stuck in the nose if he or she has the following. Bad smelling, yellowish, or bloody fluid draining from the nose. Yeah, that sounds bad. I think I would know something was wrong. Blocked breathing on one side of the nose. I think either I or my brother stuck a nickel up their nose. I don't remember which one. <laughs> one of us did. I do remember that. Um, so if you have an object that you have figured out is stuck in the ear or nose of your child, do not try to remove the object. This can push the object further and make it harder to remove. Don't use a cotton swab to remove the object. Again, you might just push the object in farther, which makes it harder for the medical professional to get it out. And don't pour anything in the ear or nose. So things like hydrogen peroxide, it's just not going to flush it out. Instead, call your child's health care provider or get to an emergency room. The provider will have you bring the child in the office or actually they might just send you directly to an ENT, an ear, nose, and throat doctor because they have the proper tools. They usually have long, skinny type uh, hemostats and of course they have lights attached to their forehead so they can see without holding a flashlight. Um, so easier to get out for them. Uh, let's talk about uh, injuries that might require an ice pack. Something you might want to keep handy is some frozen peas in the freezer. You can wrap those in cheesecloth or in a one of those triangular bandages, and it makes a great ice pack. You can also take those frozen peas out of their original package and put them in a much smaller Ziploc bag that is more appropriate for the size you need to treat. So if you have a you know, 10-inch long by eight inch wide bag of peas that's probably not going to be necessary for a finger or the top of the foot. So just put it in a smaller Ziploc bag and, and make sure you de-wrap it because that'll help prevent damage to the child's tender skin. And the last thing we're going to talk about is bleeding. So for severe bleeding I would use the same techniques, techniques exactly as we do for adults. So what you want to do Direct pressure with a gloved hand and gauze or some thick material. Push hard. Direct pressure. If the blood soaks through that, you're going to want to apply the SWAT tourniquet. We talked about that at the beginning, just naming it. SWAT is standing for stretch, wrap, and tuck tourniquet. So that instructions for the tourniquet are actually in the name and they're also printed on the tourniquet. That tourniquet is elastic, it's stretchy, it can be used on something as tiny as an infant's pinky or to a very large person. It is going to change its size based on how big the person is and it will be effective on someone who's tiny or big. You can see a video 
I talk about it. I show it on a series I did on bleeding wound kits on our YouTube channel at DR Bones Nurse Amy. Again, that YouTube channel is DR Bones Nurse Amy. If you want an easy way to get to our YouTube channel, doomandbloom.net. At the top, I have a little button that has the red arrow for YouTube. Just push on that and you'll get to our YouTube channel and find the bleeding wound kits. I show you how to do it and I talk about, there's a series of three videos I talk about how to stop bleeding. So you're going to want to put this tourniquet on. Then you're going to want to apply hemostatic or a blood stopping gauze. You have what I consider the top three choices. Kytosam, S-A-M is the last three letters. Sealox or Quick Clot's Combat Gauze. Quick Clot is the brand. Combat Gauze is the actual name of the gauze. Any of these are going to help stop bleeding. They're all really great. They all wash out easily and they do not burn or injure the person you're putting it on. Cover those with another gauze to fill up the injured area to the skin level if needed. It's, it's possible that the gauze you just used filled up the wound. And then you want to cover that all with a compression dressing, like an Israeli dressing or an emergency bandage in the four inch size, the smaller size, or there's a one, another one that's kind of small. It's called an H&H mini compression dressing that will work well also. It's a little smaller. Um, it also is, takes up less room in your medical kit. Cover the patient with a blanket or anything to keep them warm. Again, we want to prevent shock. So you're going to be calm while you're doing this and talking to the person and keeping them relaxed and not freaked out because blood is coming out of them. So everything's going to be okay. And you want to get that person, child or adult, to a hospital and you want to call 911. Both of those. If, you, if you're isolated, you need to call 911, call 911. If you're close to a hospital, you might want to just get them there. Now, having kids is amazing, but you can't keep them in a bubble, unfortunately. So they're probably going to get hurt and or sick at some point. Be prepared. Remain calm. Your babies will thank you one day. Whew, that's a lot of information. Good for you. So much for a 10-minute answer. I know. Huh? <laughs> Jack's going to kill me. <laughs> well, I just want to talk just for a second about some classes that we have available, eight-hour classes. We have a South Florida, of course, class in Weston, and that is on March 23rd. And we also have in Atlanta. It's actually in Cumming, Georgia, and that's just a little bit north out of the city, out of the congestion, and that will be held on April 20th. That's a Saturday. It is the day before Easter, so if you got a holiday weekend, you got extra time off, and you probably have some, some time to go, and you can go attend our class. We'll see you there, and we have one on May 5th. That's a Sunday, because they were busy on the 4th, and that is May 5th in Kodak, Tennessee, and that is a place we've had our classes. That one actually is filling up quickly. So if you want to attend our class in Tennessee, if you're anywhere around that area, I highly suggest that you go ahead and jump on store.doomandbloom.net and seal up your deal for the Tennessee class. Absolutely. And what about classes, uh, our classes page? Is it on there? It is. I've updated that. Everything's good. But 
The best place to go is store.doomandbloom.net and go to the hands-on class. I have a specific category right here on the store. Sounds good. I know you. we give them some goodies. Oh, lots of kit. extra goodies. Absolutely. All, sort, all sorts of stuff. You get a suture kit that we do use, but you take the instrument home. You get a staple kit that's unused. So you get 35 staples in our full staple kit. You get an Israeli bandage. That's the 6-inch. Again, you're not using that during the class. You get to take it home. We give them uh, usually, you know, some special extra goodies. But right, blood pressure cuff and oh, stethoscope. blood pressure cuff and stethoscope, which we will open. It's yours to take home. Of course, we want to practice and show you guys how to use the equipment, so you don't get home and know and don't know how to use it because that would be bad. That's great, and we teach uh, use of tourniquets. We teach how to recognize lung sounds, a lot of a lot of things that would be very helpful for the survival medic. I feel that the class actually flows nicely because you start with history and you, you talk about family history, personal history, medical history, and then we move into how to assess vital signs, how to listen to lung sounds. You have an actually really good audio of lung sounds right. and listening to... Uh, different kinds of diseases and illnesses of the lungs and how to kind of distinguish by actually hearing how it sounds when you're listening through your stethoscope. Yep, sounds great. Well, I hope the guys will be able to join one of those classes and we'll be doing more classes later in the year as well. Uh, thanks for listening to this episode of the Survival Medicine Hour. This is Joe Alton for Amy Alton. We'll be back next time. You've been listening to the Doom and Bloom Hour with medical preparedness experts Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. Check out our website at www.doomandbloom.net for hundreds of informative articles about survival medicine, gardening, natural remedies, medical supplies, and lots of other good stuff. Contact us, send your email to drbonespodcast at aol.com or use the contact form on the main page of the website. See you next week. Spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday. 
I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.